This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We got a pretty big show in store for you as the NFL draft keeps coming on. Uh, we're c- constantly inviting people to talk about the Carolina Panthers after they trade up for the number one overall pick. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to have Dustin Shue from the Devil's Den podcast uh, talking about Duke and the guys who are leaving, the guys who are staying. And obviously, I'm wearing my Miami Heat gear right here, and we're going to talk about the play-in tournament games tonight. You win, you're in. If you lose, you're going home. Talking about a couple key teams who didn't make it as far as people thought it would be. But right now, we have Cody Lashney from the C3 Panthers podcast. He he has his hand in a lot of pots. He's the producer of the C3 Panther podcast. He's on the Embrace Debate podcast on the Keep Time Podcast Network. You're a draft tech analyst. Cody, it's your first time on Out Pocket. How are you doing this afternoon? Michael, I'm doing wonderful, man. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, like I said earlier, it's a beautiful day in Charlotte. Um, hope springs eternal for the Carolina Panthers right now. Having the number one overall pick, fans are buzzing. They're also arguing back and forth over who that pick is going to be. But um, yeah, man, doing a lot of different podcasts. And thanks for having me on to promote them and talk about them. Of course, and we're getting to talk about football. Carolina Panthers are pretty exciting right now. And I'm glad you mentioned it. it's a good spring afternoon in the Carolinas. Uh, I'm a couple, about an hour and a half, two hours away from Charlotte right now, and it's beautiful over here. And spring means, you know, new season coming along. Things are growing, but you also had some spring cleaning, and that is exactly what the Carolina Panthers organization's done. And there were some headways that the VP of operations, Stephen Drummond, stepped away from the team. Uh, do you, I wanted to ask you this, like your initial thoughts on him stepping away from the organization. Do you think it's a loss for the Panthers or do you think it was just time to part ways? Well, it's not a surprise to me that all of the people who were heavily involved in the Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina training, uh, the new training facility that everyone that was associated with that is now no longer a part of the Carolina Panthers. Um, it really feels like a new day and age where the Carolina Panthers and specifically their new owner, David Tepper is really trying to move in a different direction, both from an on the field standpoint and from an organizational standpoint, you know, they've completely overhauled the entire coaching staff, um, you know, they've they've traded some of their best players in the forms of Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. So to me, it's not a surprise that this is happening now. Um, I think as we continue to go forward, every single hire that is made now by David Tepper, including at Steve Drummond's old position, is going to be uh, basically in charge of getting this whole uh, training facility the uh, kind of debacle kind of under wraps and getting that whole thing fixed. Uh, that was a bad look for the David Tepper, uh, you know, sports and entertainment group. I know South Carolina still feels kind of bad about it. So to me, all those things kind of go hand in hand with one another. And uh, I, I would expect to hear that position uh, be named very soon. Are there anyone that you could see 
Hep stepping into that role? Maybe fans are familiar with, or do you think it's going to be a name that not a lot of fans would know in the Carolinas? Well, I know Samir Suleiman is the guy who's in charge of basically the salary cap for the Carolina Panthers, and he's done a tremendous job uh, just in the short time that he's been in that position. I don't necessarily know if uh, he would be in the running for that specific position, but he certainly wouldn't be bad for it. He's done so many great things for the Panthers um, in his short time being here. Um, and he's a numbers guy. Like He's the type of guy that you want handling those big-time deals that have to do with a lot of numbers and finances and things of that matter. So that would probably be the name that I would look uh, look towards first. But I, I don't know, man. I, I also, it wouldn't surprise me if David Tepper continued to look outside of the organization to bring in some other people as well. And Tepper's looked outside the organization for pretty much everything. You know, fans yeah. were wanting Steve Wilkes. I, even as a non-Panther fan, was wanting Steve Wilkes just because of how the players played for Wilkes at the back end of the year. They go yeah. for Frank Wright and outside Howard, but everything since then has felt like a very aggressive front office. Do you like this new Panther style of being this aggressive? Oh, I absolutely do. I love it, man. And listen, I was a fan of Steve Wilkes. I don't think there was another coach in the NFL who could have came in and turned around this absolutely dejected Carolina Panthers roster in the way that Steve Wilkes did. He was perfect for that time and for that place. But, you know, David Tepper, right now, he's like the second or third richest owner in all the NFL. And he said that he was going to stop at nothing to make sure that he gets all of his desired and preferred people into this building. And the fact that he has so much money to throw around, he was pretty much able to outbid every other team for all of these preferred choice candidates that they've since hired. Keep in mind that the new Carolina Panthers staff has 11 Super Bowl rings amongst them. So that is a ton of experience. And especially when you juxtapose that from our former head coach, Matt Rule, who was basically just a bunch of college coaches that were kind of just getting their first true shot in the NFL. The difference in experience is night and day. I love how aggressive they've been. I love the staff that they've built. I don't remember um, a time in my Panther fandom where things have been so optimistic for the Panthers. And I know you mentioned on the Embrace Debate podcast from this past Monday being a huge fan of the 2015 Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton's yeah. Super Bowl MVP run, and it, it, it was an exciting time for the Panthers. Do you think this next few years can surpass that for this team? I mean, I certainly hope so, man. I mean, look, that was a different time. I mean, that 2015 team, I will. that was probably the most fun I've ever had watching a season of professional football. Like, you had to be there. You had to feel it. And, you know, especially me being in the city of Charlotte, I got to feel the buzz from that that was created around around the entire city. Um, right now, it seems like with the Carolina Panthers picking number one, that they have a really good opportunity to find their signal caller of the future. And I'm a firm believer that if you have your quarterback and, and it's a legit franchise guy, you're always going to have a chance to win football games. So when you look at how young the team is, how young the defense is, um, we finally solidified our offensive line. Yeah, there is no reason 
why the next decade of Carolina Panthers football can't be a very bright one. And you talked about them making the aggressive moves to get whoever they wind in the building in that building in terms of like the office staff, but they've done it in free agency. They've done it by train up all the way to number one, controlling the entire draft. But I've, I've been kind of shocked, Cody. I'll be honest about rumors that the Panthers might trade down. There's rumors that Arizona might trade out number three, somebody move up to three. So the first three teams pick a quarterback, whether that be Richardson, Young, or Stroud. And then I've heard of the Panthers potentially train down to either two or three. Do you think Carolina traded all the way up to one just to trade back? Well, if they did, in my mind, the only spot that would make sense for them is number two. And all the rumors and the reports that I've heard is that the Houston Texans are in love with Bryce Young and that they really don't even value some of the other quarterbacks as highly as him. So, you know, if Houston comes knocking at your door offering Carolina a first-round pick or, or, or more to be able to move up one spot, and you still get one of the big two quarterbacks between Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I mean, that that's a win to me. Now, I don't necessarily know if that's actually what's happening. I think the Panthers are keeping their minds open in terms of who the players should be, and they still have time to make that decision. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me, and it's that time of year, man, where you really can't believe a lot of what you hear in the media because a lot of it is purposefully put out there to throw people off the scent of what teams are actually wanting to do right now. So it wouldn't surprise me as of right now, if you're just asking my honest opinion, I don't think that they're going to trade out of number one. I think they're probably going to sit there and select their guy. But if, if Houston really decides that they want their preferred quarterback, it would not surprise me if the Carolina Panthers felt that it was a good enough value to move down one spot and still get their quarterback while recouping some other picks. And you don't trade up to number one unless you are fully confident in your guy. Like, you do not trade all of those assets away, which they still were able to keep some of their draft capital just because of the Christian McCaffrey trade. You don't trade up to number one if you don't believe firmly in Stroud Young, Richardson. I know you don't want, what did you say, the mayo monster, Will Levis? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mayonnaise monster, Will Levis. Uh, they're, they're meeting with C.J. Stroud and Will Levis uh, this coming Tuesday. And what I feel like uh, is what happened is David Tepper spent a lot of money on this brand new coaching staff. And now he is giving them and his um, uh, general manager, Scott Fitterer, carte blanche to evaluate every quarterback in this class thoroughly make up your mind on who you want and make sure that that's the guy that you go and get and i think that having david tepper as the owner really benefited the team in this instance because not every nfl owner can do that you know uh, davis the owner for the the raiders he doesn't have the ability to just do stuff like this. Even the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, that's another one. Uh, the fact that we have a hedge fund guy as our owner, it really benefits us uh, with the opportunity to be so aggressive. So I have no doubt in my mind that they had a number one in their wheelhouse when they did trade up. But I don't believe that their mind was absolutely set and made up. Because remember, at that time, they still hadn't done any of the pro days. 
that still hadn't done any of their top 30 visits where they're able to sit down with guys, really go in depth and ask them questions about defensive coverages and alignments and protections and really having enough opportunity to get to know these players. I mean, they have 15-minute interviews at the Combine. That's not enough time to, to get to know the future of your quarterback position for the next decade plus. So um, I, I know that they had someone in mind. I don't know who it was, but I, I don't know. I think that they are going to walk away with whoever they feel is the very best quarterback in this year's class, and they're not looking to settle. And it's, it's interesting you say, like, hey, we're going to trade up. We got a brand-new staff in. Pick whoever you want. It's like bringing your kid to – you know, a dating function and be like, okay, I brought all these people here, like bringing them on the bachelor or something, just pick yeah. <laughs> whichever one, pick the right one. Don't mess up. And Cody, yeah. I've asked this to everyone that I have been, uh, having on the show. One week it's Stroud, one week it's young, then it's Richardson, then it's trading. What do you think the Carolina Panthers do at number one? As of right now, I'm inclined to believe that they probably will draft Bryce Young. Uh, You're you're hearing all of this news and information that mentally he is one of the most developed quarterbacks to ever come out of the draft. And I don't mean just like in the past 10 years, but like maybe ever. I mean, that's how smart and that's how intelligent this young man is. The question is, can you stomach him being the smallest quarterback in the NFL the moment that he's drafted, because that's undeniably true. I mean, five, 10 and a half, you know, he weighed in at 204 at the combine, but his natural playing weight is somewhere between 190 to 195 pounds. Maybe an NFL strength and conditioning system can cause him to bulk up a little, but you're, you're going to have to live with the player that you're drafting. And it, when you watch the film, he's exceptional under pressure keeping his eyes downfield, knowing where to go with the football. And I I really do think that he is going to be successful in the NFL. And I believe that the Panthers have the right offensive line to be able to protect him now. So that makes me worry less. The only thing that gives me a pause and a cause for concern is I feel like C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson potentially both have a higher ceiling than Bryce because of their physical capabilities throwing the football and with Anthony Richardson throwing and running the football. So, uh, you know, all these guys are very highly touted. I don't think that you can go wrong at this point. But as of right now, if I'm a betting man, I'm saying Bryce Young is probably the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers. I might have a different answer next week when we're back on the right. pocket. You but and I, everyone else. <laughs> but but I feel I'm I'm leaning towards Bryce Young with all I'm reading. They may be smoke screens, but he had a yeah. high IQ rating from this past week's test. Yeah. Uh but it's going to be interesting to see the Carolina Panthers are going to have a number one overall pick at quarterback. First time since Cam Newton was drafted to the organization. But Cody, we gotta get into a break. If you guys enjoyed Cody right now. You're going to enjoy him on the C3 Panthers podcast. You're going to enjoy his analysts on the Panthers and Texans, number one and number two picks on Draft Tech as their expert. 
and the Keep Pound Podcast Network's Embrace Debate Podcast. Uh, he comes on with Monty and Des, and Des kind of moderates a little debate going on. And it, when they get into it, they do get into it. It's really entertaining. It's a lot of fun. It's good Carolina Panther stuff. And then myself and Ryan Frick from Tap Outs and Touchdowns, we're going to have the Cat Cave. We had our debut episode this past week. And so you get Embrace Debate on Mondays. You get the Cat Cave on Tuesdays. And when we come back on Out Pocket with Michael Davis, we'll have Dustin Shue from the Devil's Den, Carson Williams. We have an App State panel next to talk about Duke basketball next on Out Pocket. Welcome back to Al Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. Thank you, Cody Lashney from C3 and Embrace Debate Podcast for joining us that last segment to talk about the Panthers. And I got I got to give my guys some credit, okay? Because this is a very special segment for us today with two first-time guests. First, we got Dustin Shu, the Devil's Den podcast host. Dustin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. Hope you are as well. Doing pretty good. And we got Carson Williams in the show today. Carson, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Of course. And what's special about this is we are all three avid Duke basketball fans. And we all have ties to the Appalachian State University. I hate when Ohio State does that. (laughs) But... We do it better. Uh, Dustin and I are graduates, and Carson's a current student at Appalachian State. And we got to talk some Duke basketball because there's some changes going on after we had a early exit in the tournament to Tennessee. Guys are leaving like Derek Lively, Derek Whitehead's declared for the draft. Jeremy Roach is testing the waters. He could back out and return to Duke after the pre-draft process and – it, it could be an interesting time, but I feel like the big story around this is the guys who are staying. You know, Mark Mitchell's staying. Tyrese Proctor is staying. And everyone's surprisingly uh, excited about the ACC Rookie of the Year, Kyle Filipowski. Flip himself is back and Duke basketball for his sophomore year. And Dustin, I'll start with you. Are you surprised Flip returned to Duke this year? To be honest, man, not really. I I really never fretted the entire time, even when he was having, you know, that stretch right out of the gate where he was pretty incredible. Um, Flip is not a usual top prospect uh, in the fact that when we started recruiting him, he was a almost a sub 100 prospect. He rose the rankings in the year and a half, two years that that we were recruiting him. Um, so that coupled with the fact that in his interviews, and, and I know a lot of recruits, they say different things, but he always talked about, uh, I want to leave a legacy at Duke. He's, he wears John Shire's number. He was John Shire's first recruit. Um, I didn't think that he was going to leave us high and dry after that. And he was a man of his word. And, I'm, man, I'm so excited to have him back. Yeah, Carson, what was your initial reaction to Filipowski's return to Duke? I can't date how important this guy is to Duke and and how awesome that it is that he's coming back. Uh, but no, I wasn't really surprised, which it sounds surprising. You know, um, you could just tell when he was out there that that he 
was trying to leave a legacy. He was trying to win a national championship and have a banner at Duke. Um, so, yeah, job's not finished. The job is not finished. That's why he tweeted out. And I'll be honest, like, Flip, I think he, like, just exemplifies Duke basketball. But when it comes to Flip, he was the highest-rated prospect out of Duke. Derek Whitehead, as good as he was when he came back from his injury and started getting in his groove, he's not tied high. Derek Lively, I think, is still, like, late first, second-round projection. I bet he slides into a lotto at the end. Really? I think people – somebody's going to take a stab at him. That guy's a rim-running mm-hmm. big, perfect for the modern NBA. I mean, I think he's got, a like, a Tyson Chandler ceiling and at least a floor of, like, Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, I think he's going to be a, a really good – he doesn't give you a lot on offense, but man, the way he impacts the game defensively, and we talk about it on our podcast, the guy had a 16% block rate. It's the highest ever recorded in Duke history. I mean, you're talking about senior Sheldon Williams, you know, uh, Marvin Bag, not Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley didn't really play defense. Uh, Wendell <laughs> Carter, um, Mark Williams, even. Mark Williams was the, you know, the reigning agency <laughs> defensive player of the year. And uh, Lively was just incredible in that. I think he's going to be a, a pretty well well-liked pick by GMs here coming this draft. He's a great defensive Yeah, his player. defense alone. Yeah, go ahead, Carson. Sorry, his uh, his defense alone is going to just pop out at you. I mean, there's not a lot of not a lot of bigs with how long he is. Uh his second jump is extremely quick. There's just not there's not a lot of teams that want to pass up on defense like that. That shot blocking ability you don't really see it anymore. Yeah, and it's not really even the way block shots. I mean, just altering shots or guarding in space. I mean, in the NBA, you're going to spread the yeah. floor, play and pick and roll, and that guy can switch off and guard point guards. We saw him do it all year this year. And to play devil's advocate, no pun intended, of course, maybe sure. just a tad bit, but <laughs> Derek Lively's defense is great. He <laughs> shut down Armando Baycott at UNC, but it's his offense that scares me. He's not – Unless he's dunking and has like a wide open lane, he's not putting up points on the board, and that's what you really need to survive in today's NBA game. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, there's guys that are defensive anchors. There's Rudy Gobert's. There's uh, Mitchell Robinsons. There's guys that, like I said, that are just you know, if you've got the right guys around them, you might not need scoring from that five position. So I think he's going to be you know uh, in the NBA for a long time, and he's got mm-hmm. time to develop that shot. I mean, the shot I saw him. When I went to several games, he was taking a lot of threes and warm-ups and, and making a lot of them. And so he's got some range. He just needs to, you know, find the confidence to shoot it. And it's really interesting because Lively's gone, Whitehead's gone. Whitehead, I think, is going to be a really, really good NBA player. But it's Cillin could be, mm-hmm. you know, RJ Barrett right now. Sure. Or it could be a Justice Winslow where he just has the body and can't really produce Carson. Do you think that anyone takes a shot on Whitehead in the first round? Oh yeah. I think he's going to, I think he's going to probably in the probably like mid twenties, 43% from three. How you can't pass that up. I mean, even just for a Phil, just a three and D guy. I mean, he's athletic enough. uh, You just, it, it, how are you supposed to, you know, all, all he has to do is that. He doesn't have to be the number one guy coming out. Uh, I think his ceiling's probably a little bit higher than RJ Barrett's, 
uh, just because he is able to create his own shot a little better. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that you can pass up on that in the first round. Dustin, what do you think about that being in this, like this, is, this draft class is deep. I mean, yeah, I mean, for for Whitehead, you know, the injury obviously set him back, but I think there's a lot of scout. He look, he played at Montverde for four years. He played with guys like Scotty Barnes. He played with um, who is the other guys I'm thinking from from there. I, anyways, he played with a lot of really good competition, and he was, you know, he, he stood out amongst them for a lot of that time. So I think the scouts will give him the benefit of the doubt, like Carson said. I mean, the guy shot the uh, the highest three point percentage in the whole ACC. Um, but before his injury, he wasn't known as just a spot-up shooter. He was more of a slasher, can kind of three-level score. And I think he'll get back to that and, and show why he's uh, been a big NBA prospect for a long time now. And what's really disappointing is while Phil Palski did return to Duke, uh, we did have the number one decommit, uh, McKenzie and Baco. I, and I know I butchered that last name. I just got Victor Wimbenyama's name right <laughs> on this show a couple months ago, and now, boom, <laughs> we're going to throw another name at you. But we'll we'll call him McKenzie. Uh, he's decommitted from Duke, and unfortunately, it looks like the biggest rival to Duke, UNC, is pursuing McKenzie. Dustin, what what's your gut feeling, and does McKenzie just seek revenge and go to UNC instead? No, not at all. Um, you know, there's a lot of things floating around on the internet right now about the decommitment. Um, there's things that I'm not going to talk about, but uh, I think Duke and, and McKenzie parted ways, um, you know, amicably. Um, just last week at the Hoop Summit, he was talking about being ready to play for Duke. And, you know, whatever went down, he's, he's not able to play for Duke, whether it be his handlers or something else or playing time, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't see him ending up at Carolina. No, I think, uh, if I put my money on it, you know, Nolan Smith was, was heavily involved in his recruitment. I could see him being a, a Cardinal playing in the ACC for Louisville, or maybe he stays home and plays for St. John's now that they've got Patino there. Um, but that's, that's where I'd put, maybe we don't even see him in college at all. There's, there's some rumors about that, that he goes the G league route. So I don't. I don't think Carolina's the uh, the play for him. I don't see him being that guy. He really loved John. He wanted to be at Duke, and it, unfortunately, it just can't happen. That that would be that would be pretty interesting, especially seeing him going uh, to play for Patino. And I wonder how Patino does this year, uh, Carson. When you think about McKenzie, do you, do you think he goes the G League route? Is that a smart way to get your foot in the door? Uh, yeah, G League is – I don't think that you can really get wrong. Um, I mean, in recent years, we've seen more G League players in the draft, um, so it's definitely a viable option. I don't think he goes that route, um, but like Dustin said, there is some rumors. Uh, my gut feeling was also Louisiana just because Nolan Smith. Um, I could see him going to Memphis. I know Memphis is pursuing him. Uh, I do him going to UNC. I he's looking for playing time. Uh, he could have stayed at Duke. I mean, he wouldn't have really had to com compete with anybody. Flip's going to move to center uh, unless we can get a transfer big. But I think that Flip is going to move to center. So I think he should have stayed at Duke. Uh, but, you know, things don't work out that way. And I understand his perspective for sure. Now, Carson did mention a potential transfer big. Yeah, I don't want to spill the beans, but yeah. And, uh, Dustin, I, would you uh, provide a little insight on that information? Well, I think that. 
from everything that look, I'm not an insider by any means, but um, you know, visiting the Devil's Den boards, they have great insiders there. Uh, I, I pay for my subscription to get my info, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I know that the 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 staff is looking for a starting center. I don't think Flip wants to play the center, and I don't know if we want him to. Play. Some of us want him to play the center. I think having a small ball lineup with Flip at center, um, Mitchell at the four would be pretty great. But I, I think people worry about Flip being – look, he took a beating this year, um, and, and you playing him at center, he might take a beating again. Also, it probably increases his, his foul proneness. So uh, keep him at the four where he's got a little bit of an advantage taking guys out on the perimeter. You know he likes to put the ball on the floor if he'll you know, tighten up that handle and that spin move. Uh, I, I'm looking for Flip to have a, a big breakout sophomore season, but mm-hmm. primarily as the four man with a portal big playing beside him. And, and I like Filipowski oh. at the four. Oh, it's too. funny because. Go ahead, Carson. Sorry. I was just saying to say small ball is funny because people forget this guy is seven foot. He's 230 pounds. Yeah. Uh, he could, he could by all means play the five. But I think he is more adept to play the four because he can step out. Uh, I, he didn't really – he wasn't much of a like a back down kind of guy. He, w- he wanted to more get like get downhill um, and make his shot and make his shots that way. But but to say small ball, I just think it's funny because because he's he's a seven footer. He's a big guy. It's not really small, but, right? Well, yeah, right. I'm with you. I think small ball is more of a it's a term used, but it's more about the spacing that it creates relative to we don't you know if you right. can play seven footers that can create space and then it's it's not really small ball but it's still that same uh principle right. and and if i may because sure. i am wearing a miami heat thing right before our next segment <laughs> talking about nba basketball we got a play-in tournament game tonight which is kind of disappointing that we're even in this spot uh playing the bulls we'll talk about that <laughs> next with uh trevor everett and henry wilcox next on the show but chris bosh you know, when Chris Bosch was playing the four for Miami, you know, we felt like a complete team, whether it was Joel Anthony or Birdman, Chris Anderson playing the five. And when Bosch moved to the five, it just changed the complete outlook of this team. And if we can get this center from Virginia, if we can get Caden Shet Cedric to the Duke team, I think it's going to change a lot of items. But as I mentioned, we uh, are talking NBA playoffs next. Uh, so we got to get into a break. Thank you so much, Carson Williams, for coming in. And guys, if you enjoyed listening to Dustin shoot, Dustin, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, so we're on the Devil's Den podcast. You can find us anywhere you download podcasts. Um, also, you know, if you like in, getting into recruiting and having kind of the uh, inside scoop, check out thedevilsden.com. Uh, we got a free message board. You've got a premium subscription board that'll give you a lot of juicy details about which portal player we actually want i know what i'm doing at 501 today (laughs) but we got we we got to get into a break uh when we come back we'll have trevor everett from the two pointers podcast and henry wilcox a returning guest to talk about the nba play-in tournament tonight we got the bulls heat we got thunder timberwolves and we're going to talk about how disappointed we were in two teams Spoiler alert, they're the New Orleans Pelicans with all that talent and Dallas Mavericks. As I say, I told you so with Kyrie Irvin and making that team worse. <laughs> but you guys got something to look forward to next on Out Pocket with Michael Davis when we come back. Roll Nears. Send this hand, send this hand. 
Welcome back to Al Bogdan and Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We've had a pretty great show for you today. I told you at the beginning of this hour we were going to have an awesome show. Cody was on for his Panthers and Texans draft expertise. He's a draft tech analyst, C3 Panther podcast host, embrace debate, like everything. We've had Dustin Shu on for the Devil's Den. We had Carson in as an App State alum panel, uh, and Carson's actually a current App State student. But now we, I'm pretty excited because we get to talk hoops. We get to talk about my Miami Heat a little bit. And so we have a returner on, Henry Wilcox. Henry, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Michael. How are you? Doing pretty good. And we got first time or on for the show. He hosts the Two Pointers podcast, Mr. Trevor Everett. Trevor, how are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. Anytime I get to talk hoops, uh, I'm always great. So thank you for having me. And Trevor knows his stuff. Been listened to a bit of his show. I found him this week, actually, and was like, whoa, we need him on our pocket in the triad area. He's originally from Raleigh, I believe so. Still here based and uh, hanging out. I love college hoops more than anything, but nothing against the NBA. When you have it in your backyard for so many years, it's you enjoy it. And we just got done with March Madness a couple weeks ago. Uh, just got done with this Duke segment uh, just a few minutes ago. And now we're in the thick of the NBA playoffs. We've had the play-in tournament. We've had teams miss the playoffs. And there are two teams that come to mind when I think of very disappointing outcomes. One I called. The other I didn't. One of them's Dallas Mavericks. I've been adamant on this show, Henry knows, against Kyrie Irvin, against that trade. And they missed the playoffs, and they're actually worse with them. So, Henry, I'm going to start with you. Can you defend Kyrie Irvin, or are you jumping on board with my take? Because none of my takes are out of pocket, let's be honest. Oh, they never are on your own show. Uh, I do have to say, I think that Kyrie Irving does deserve credit. Uh, I think that we really are just giving him a lot of crap. And I understand, but you are also – it was not – like he got traded. He did ask for the trade. However, he did end up – we know that the owner of the Brooklyn Nets wanted to send him to the worst place possible for the best return because he it was personal with him. He did not want to send him to the Lakers. He did not want him to benefit at all from the situation. So what does he do? He puts him on a team with the other – probably most ball dominant player in the NBA being Luka Doncic. And we, we expect them to succeed while losing their defensive depth in Dorian Finney Smith. And, Oh man, don't let me forget who else was in that trade. Interdignity. Thank you. Uh, back on the nets, uh, which, you know, mm, but I do love Dorian Finney Smith. Uh, and I, I do have to, I think we can in a way blame, Kyrie for the lack of performance, but I don't know if we can blame him for the situation that has led to this because you're putting him in a uh, place where he is playing with a player that directly contradicts his form of play because they're so similar. Yeah, Henry, I, I don't know if I agree with that because everybody, when Kyrie got traded to Dallas, everybody's like, hey, they can make the playoffs. Luka, Kyrie, what a pair duo like a dynamic duo if you will uh henry you might win dynamic duo this summer at your uh, other job maybe maybe i know you're the lit assistant shout out to my other job camp but trevor i know Kyrie wanted to come to the lakers you're a lakers guy are you glad urban went to dallas and what do you make of his situation with the mavericks so 
I'm glad you ask it that way. So I'm glad that he ended up in a place that wasn't Los Angeles. And it's not from a, like, tear the team apart, you know, whatever, off-court stuff. It's the fact that we'll talk to about the Lakers in just a few minutes. Obviously, it's on the sheet here. But they the role, pay, role players and the pieces around LeBron and Anthony Davis, who obviously had their in-and-out of lineup uh, problems this year, they've been able to figure out a way where they're going to be successful, hopefully. Obviously, they're, we're going to see what it's like against Memphis. We'll talk about that. But um, they've been able to – they went from 12th in the West to 7th in the West, and I think Kyrie Irving wouldn't have either. I don't think – I think it would have been null and void at that point. Like, I think they still might have figured it out, but some of those pieces were really important, and Kyrie Irving trade, I don't know what they would have given up other than that 27 or 29 pick. So – Ultimately, I think they it worked out fine. Uh, on the Dallas side of things, I, I hate to be the guy to be like, well, I agree. I, I think I'm in the camp of with Henry a little bit where it's like, I want to blame him, but their defense was really bad before him, and their defense is bad with him, so it doesn't change anything for me. A couple of things that were really important. Uh, they were eighth uh, worst in the NBA in points per game since acquiring Kyrie Irving. They were ninth before that, so not anything crazy. Uh, and then they're the seventh worst entire uh, defensive rating in the entire year. And he averaged 27, uh, six and five in the 20 games that's joining Dallas. So it's, you know, they, they score at will and that's fine. But like you said, like, you know, ball dominant guys and heliocentric, it's not going to help out the way they run their offense. And in the playoffs, it probably would have been a really good thing. The problem is the reason I had picked them and I'll pull up while you guys are making your points again, I'll pull up where I had them preseason, but I was not high on this roster. Obviously I was not seeing a Kyrie Irving trade coming uh, preseason, but I predicted them to be well below the average of that play in Mark where, um, I think I had him at like seven or eight. So it's like, I just wasn't a believer in the roster. And I think this is not the kind of team you build around uh, Luka Doncic. You need strong, quick, versatile defenders. And they have none of those guys. And the one guy they might've had is Dorian Finney-Smith. And you had to give him up to get Kyrie Irving. It really stinks. And at the end of the day, like this, I, I think this hurts Kyrie Irving's legacy. You know, whether you put him there or not, it's kind of like a wide receiver. You trade for a star wide receiver name, for an NFL team, social media gets hype, and then all of a sudden the wide receiver lands on the team and it doesn't make a difference. Like their record got worse when Kyrie got there and, and could have been because Finney Smith and Dinwiddie leaves and that could have fit the Mavericks playing style better. But I don't know what's happening with the New Orleans Pelicans, um, why they were a play in exit last or a couple of nights ago against the Thunder of all teams. Thunder probably tied as one of the worst teams in the NBA at the beginning of the season, and they lose. And my big question is why, with all this talent, like who's at fault? Zion Williamson didn't play. There's questions whether he's already tied as a bust. Henry, are you are you still wanting to support Zion? Because I, I want to at my core as a Duke fan. I thought he was going to be – one of the best NBA players talking about the NBA 75 during the break. I thought he was going to be on the NBA 125 years from now. I think that fundamentally we have to understand I'm a Tar Heel born and I'm a Tar Heel bred. And when I die, I'm a Tar Heel dead. Uh, so the, the fundamental issue here is though, even though I am raised a Tar Heel, there's no world in which I want to see a kid like Zion Williamson not succeed. I want him to live up to his potential, even if he went to Duke. Uh, and I think the fundamental problem with him, and I keep saying this the third time I've said fundamental because it's what we always come back to with him, is the injuries. And we know that they were the best team in the West at the beginning of this season for the first maybe month or so when he was playing. He is exactly what they need. And without him, they are playing at best and they get knocked out. The pieces are there that could surround him 
if he plays well or if he's healthy, if he's remotely healthy, they could do phenomenal things. They could go anywhere. He's unstoppable. No, really, he is. And the fact that they have so many versatile wings around him and C.J. McCollum and uh, Brandon Ingram, those two alone uh, got them to the playoffs last year through the play-in. If they have him, the, the world's the limit. Or the sky's the limit. I don't know. Uh, I would love to see him do better. I don't think we rule him as a bust uh, because although he has played very little games, the games that he has played in, he has been incredibly impactful and incredibly important to team success. Uh, so, yes, he may have some funky feet, uh, but in the end, I think we'll rule him at least as an all right prospect, not a bust. I don't think he has totally undershot expectations. He destroys shoe while at Duke and, Ever since then, he's had a lot more injury issues. He's the size of an NFL offensive lineman, which could be not in his favor. Uh, and Trevor, I, I really want to get your take uh, before we have to get out of here and continue our TGI Friday lineup on your Lakers, because unlike the Mavs, unlike the Pelicans, you know, Lakers are actually in the tournament. They won their play-in game this week. And we're the 13th seed in the West for the longest time. It looked like they were maybe going to tank for a higher pick. Uh, would, would you have preferred your team to tank? Or were they smart for continuing to compete and get themselves into the postseason with LeBron James looking like he's healthy now? There's no scenario where I'd have been happy with the tank because there's no pick. So, a, you know, the Pelicans get the pick. There's a swap and I think, 24. So this year it's a – you have – a 38-year-old LeBron James who we've seen, especially in that play-in game, regardless of the crazy, wacky fourth quarter. We know the result. They won. He was unbelievable on offense. He was obviously tired, and he played 40 minutes plus. Right? Of course, you're going to take some time on defense. But there's no scenario where I would have ever wanted to tank just because of what the window you're in here now. Anthony Davis is almost 30 years old. If not, I believe he turned 30 just recently. So you already have a window already that's tight enough, and you're giving up future assets uh, that you – barely even want to give up. I think they gave up the 27 pick for Westbrook to go to Utah and ultimately getting bought out, going to Los Angeles, uh, the Clippers. But there's no scenario that I would have ever wanted to see where they pick because there's no incentive for them to. I mean, granted, if it's a – maybe I'm missing on what, you know, the swap would have gotten them in that late 15, 17. I've seen mocks where they're going to get a 17 or 18 if it swaps with the Pelicans. But that's not worth an entire season's worth where, honestly, now that this roster and this core has figured itself out, that was part of their problem. They've been – this, they've had the second best record since the deadline. Uh, I don't hold that, you know, I don't hold, take that lightly. So I think that they've earned that credit. And I, and I got to see them a few weeks ago. Uh, well, I guess the final four was just last week, but got to see them on the between the final four games uh, against the Rockets. Now I get it. The Rockets are, you know, not the best team in the entire world, but uh, got some great merch. But, you know, they, they blew the brakes off of Anthony Davis has a 40 point uh, game after his 30 plus point game against Minnesota the game before. LeBron has a triple double. I mean, they looked really, really good. The role players look really good. So anything can happen. I'd rather you make the playoffs, figure it out, and then it at least gives you some bargaining chips and free agency for guys coming in. And that Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel, our viewers could see your uh, green throwback Rockets t-shirt, which is kind of nice, uh, kind of good color color scheme with the Guns and Roses hat. Uh, pretty good style, Trevor, on your first time on Out of Pocket with Michael Davis. And we got some play-in games tonight. You win, you're in. If you lose, you go home. Uh, we got the Bulls at the Heat, winner facing number one seed Milwaukee, and then the Thunder at Timberwolves, winner facing number one seed Denver. Henry, 
who do you think wins? Who do you think goes home? Be careful because you did say that this was my show and you know, I don't want to throw my weight around here, but uh, we'll just let our YouTube viewers look at what I'm wearing before you answer. I think uh, that the Miami Heat are a bunch of bums. Uh, no hate, Michael. You are loved eternally. Uh, and I think the Chicago Bulls are also a very difficult team to kind of grade there. But I think along with the kind of commotion that they caused last night with the Raptors and the fact that they do have like consistent playoff competitors, at least in the past on the roster with Pat Bev and DeMar DeRozan. And I know when you hear consistent playoff competitor, you don't always think DeMar DeRozan, but you have to remember that they made two Eastern conference finals with Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think that there's a chance that they take out the Miami Heat because they're dysfunctional right now. Um, they lost to the Atlanta Hawks, which I know two years ago the Hawks made a conference finals run, but they are not the same team they were then, and they have not been playing the same. And I think that if Miami were even half the team they were when they made fi the finals like two years ago, they would have swept the floor with them. Uh, and then I think on – at least in the West, I think that we run into – I think I'd pick the Wolves uh, quite plain and simply. I think that Shea and – I don't even know if Lugens Dort is playing. I haven't seen that game. Yeah, uh, Dort should be playing. Uh, uh, he put up like 30 this past uh, couple nights ago. Uh, but I think the Wolves. I'd pick the Wolves. All right, Trevor, before we get out of here, who are your picks? Uh, be a little more kind to my Miami Heat, please. I haven't just LeBron this show. I hate both of these teams. I hate I hate Atlanta too. So honestly, this is a, a lose 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 for me if any of these teams were playing each other. Um, I'm gonna let the 30 plus game that I saw from Zach Levine, who made it worth his while for that contract he got. I hate to do it to you, but this is not the Miami team we think they are anymore. Jimmy Butler has had a good year, and I think he deserves, even though I didn't vote for him for All-NBA, I do think he deserves that nod. He's a top 20 player this year still, even despite some of the dips. But I just can't sit here and talk myself into either one of them even remotely giving Boston a chance in the series. So I don't really care the result of the game, which I guess would be more of my point. But I, I do think Chicago's offense right now is just playing up to its pretty good potential. And I think DeMar DeRozan can have another DeMar DeRozan type of game that they we've seen him do before. Um, so I think if they get that done, I, offensively, I think the Bulls right now are playing the best they can. I'll do that. Uh, like I said, don't care either way. I think both these teams are fighting Boston at all. So the other point I would make with uh, Minnesota and the and the Thunder, the problem is Minnesota are they, they're going to have Gobert. Do we we know that for a fact? Yes, it was just a one game suspension. I have not heard any otherwise. I've I've not heard otherwise, right. but so they should be who having to go there. The situation there. I hate this Thunder uh, this Thunder team, not this Thunder team, this Timberwolves team. Excuse me, um, but I also hate that they're the worst rebounding team in the NBA by a significant margin, and they almost lost the game uh, last night because of rebounding margin. So um, I have to give it to Minnesota, even though I do really want this Thunder team to win. I Shea is a top five MVP candidate. First team all NBA deserves every bit of this credit. And honestly, if he has a 30 plus point per game night, like he should, I hope he at least makes this game interesting. And obviously you're going to need a, another, somebody's going to have to step up. Obviously Gideon Dort did and, uh, and those big performances. So you never know, but I really think that I really think that the Thunder can get it done, but the Timberwolves are probably going to be able to out defend them and not rebound them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully my Heat team can pull it through. Don't put, give us much hope uh, in the next round against a potential Milwaukee Bucks matchup. But 
glad that DeMar DeRozan's daughter is not going to be in attendance and she has school. So we got to get out of here. We're against the hour. You can subscribe to the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel for more content. I got the Cat Cave Tuesday afternoons, uh, Carolina Panther podcast with Ryan Frick. Got the Drop the Mic Wrestling podcast Wednesday afternoons. Uh, it's part of the Wrestling Wednesday lineup. Got Al Pocket with Michael Davis every Friday afternoon at 4. And thank you so much, Henry, Trevor. Go catch Trevor, Two Pointers Podcast. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel. Uh, they do incredible basketball content. But we got to get out of here. Everyone, go follow the Two Pointers and go follow Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And we will see you next week. <laughs>